0: This day to be guided by your spirit in all truth and spirit. We thank you that we have the opportunity to, to look at your revealed word, to study your revealed word in such a way that um, we, we use it to dig deeper into the truths that, that lie uh, on its surface, that are so obvious and yet sometimes so difficult to apply in our lives. We think we understand it. And then uh, somebody like this author that is presenting this stuff today Um, Helps us see it from a new angle, and we're like, wow, how did I miss that before? And I just thank you that your word is so beautiful that we can come back to it over and over and over again, each time appreciating its beauty and wanting to apply it into our own lives for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we are on Do You Believe 12 12 Historic Doctrines to Change Your Everyday Life by Paul Tripp. This is part four, class six of... Um, the one we are obviously dealing with is God's holiness in everyday life. This is the last uh, bit of our study for the everyday life kind of thing. It's kind of, He's got some really neat stuff in here. Um, I'm going to warn you that the first question is going to cause you to have to dig a little deeper. So it's not just, a, you know, what color is the sky? Blue! You're going to have to think a little bit. So I'm hoping if you had coffee or you need more coffee that you go get some now. Um, but we'll we'll, st- we'll stop and it might take a little time to work through the first question but we'll give it a little bit of time because there's some this will help bring about change as we process this and then the only other question we have is on page two um, and we will deal with that and other than that there's one question on page one that's a four part question and then one on page two and those are our questions for the week so we have plenty of time to, to engage and discuss so with that mark where is the mic we got it back there with pJ PJ if you will start with Our lesson today...
1: Everyone longs for a world ruled by a holy God. Everyone in some way wants things to be better than they are. We all want to live in a world where justice is a real thing and is dispensed with equity. We would all love for violence to end in our streets and in our homes. We would all love to live in a world where no human being was ever taken and used for another human being's selfish pleasure. We all think it would be wonderful if governmental corruption would end forever. We all mourn the abuse of children, the, degener- the uh, degeneration, or, or denigration. Thank you, uh, denigration of women and racism of any kind. We all wish that no one would starve and that war's endless presence would end. We wish disease would claim no more lives. The specifics of our longings differ, but we all long for something better. In some way, we all long for a world that is just, peaceful, loving, safe, and righteously ruled. We all long for shalom. That is everything in its right place doing what the Creator designed it to do.
0: Now, I'm going to throw something in there. His audiences are Christians, us. But in a, he's also broadening this to, to varying degrees that this is also what the world wants. And he's going to explain how he can prove this out or bear this out. But I don't want you to think that he's only isolating this to Christians. Um, Okay, let's keep, keep going on.
2: This
3: longing is in everybody's heart because we are designed to live in a world that was put together and ruled by one who is holy in every way all of the time. Because he is always holy and good, we would be assured that we would live in a world that was peaceful and safe, Sin shattered the glass of shalom, but our longing is still there. And what we long for is possibly only if the one in control of it all is holy and good.
0: Let me, uh, let me pause there. You'll notice I underlined just the word shalom, and then I dropped down and underlined a, a different portion of the sentence to bring clarity. So let me read it this way. Shalom is, is possible only if the one in control is of it all is holy and good. I'm going to say that again and try and speak it a little more, <laughs> a little more clear and less choppy. Shalom is possible only if the one in control of all of it is holy and good. We need to grasp that, or we're not going to, we're going to miss out on where he's going with this. Okay, let's con- con- continue on.
4: It seems contradictory, but it is true. The most unholy people have places in their life where they cry out for holy rule. Human beings were created to find their everyday safety in the existence and rule of one who is gloriously holy in every way. People may deny God's existence. They may desecrate what he designed to be holy. They may repudiate his holy commands, but they still long for things that only his holy will and his holy rule can deliver.
0: Okay. Though we're not talking about Christians, even unholy people long for things that only holiness can bring about. It's interesting. That was what in the, in the biblical world we call a, a door or a gateway. That's an opportunity for us to Christians to step through that and and to engage that person in conversation. What you are longing for is only capable if the one in control is holy. And then you're off and running and explaining God and explaining the dynamic of who God is in his holiness versus their control versus what they desire all of that so let's continue on as you're starting to think in in different contexts
5: if one day a thousand people scrolled down their news feeds and came across the death of a defenseless child at the hands of an abusive parent every one of them would be disgusted every one of them would be angry and every one of them would wish it could never happen again in so doing, every one of them would long for God's holy rule to intervene. A cry for justice is a cry for a holy God. A cry for peace is a cry for a holy God. A cry for safety is a cry for a holy God. A cry that every human being would be treated with value and dignity is a cry for a holy God. Pause right there real quick.
0: I'm going to give you the definition of holy again, so you can. I'm going to ask Gerald to read those, those underlined sections again. Holy dealing with separateness of God, distinct difference of who God is outside of creation. He's distinctly different. He has made us within creation to be distinctly different and be set apart. So we we as human beings were made to be holy as he is holy. We are not distinct in essence like he is, but we are able to and we are called to be separate and this is the other part of the, uh, um, the definition of holiness our distinctness is most clearly seen in a corrupted world by our moral righteousness in line with God's moral purity so we have otherness or separateness and that is distinct and different by way of our moral purity in a corrupt in a world corrupted by sin so now read those underlying things again and see so when you hear holy, you're grasping the difference. What's going on here? A cry for justice? A
5: cry for justice is a cry for a holy God. A cry for peace is a cry for a holy God. A cry for safety is a cry for a holy God. A cry for every human being... Oh, I'm sorry. A cry that every human being would be treated with value and dignity is a cry for a holy God. It can,
0: In other words, it can only be accomplished by a holy god there is no other way to accomplish that so they're actually asking they don't know they're asking they're asking for a holy god's intervention so let's keep going
5: you may deny him but in tearful moments of pain you will cry out for what his holy presence and rule alone could ever produce it is vital for us to remember that god's holiness is essential to every human being's emotional physical and spiritual well-being whether we realize it or not okay he
0: just made a statement he said that he made a statement of that it's vital and it's speaking of god's holiness so i'm going to pose he made a statement it's a premise he made and i'm asking us to work that out as a group why why is that premise vital in other words it must be in order for that which they desire to come and, that, and I put it in the area so first we'll start off with his area why is it vital to remember that God's holiness is essential and he put to every human being's emotional physical and spiritual well-being and I've got three others after that so let's take on this one first anybody want to take a shot this is something that we're going to build on as a group We're not I doubt that one person is going to shout it out as the, the correct answer and we all say well that was great okay let's move on to the next one this is something that we're working through to, together. So, why is it vital to remember that God's holiness is essential to every human being's emotional, physical, and spiritual well being? Somebody take a shot. Uh, let's go. Okay, we got Brandon and, and uh, we got Sean up here.
6: Where's Mark? All right, there we go. So, what came to my mind was the um, if we don't have God as the God's foundation of holiness for these things our emotional, physical and spiritual well-being we start to replace him with other gods and false idols and like i think of like abortion, right? Like a lot of these people who are in support of it claim they almost treat abortion as their way of Reducing chaos in their own life because they think well if I get this abortion then I can go get the education I want I can have the monetarial, monetary benefits of not having kids I can live my life how I want to I can have sex with no uh, consequences kind of thing so to them they're kind of striving for less chaos in what their mind what they think because they think children that's chaos They, that's not a blessing that's chaos they think uh, you know spending money on things that's chaos right but where so they misplace that and they misdirect to what truly chaos actually is and they're actually chasing towards chaos which is murder
0: good excellent so what you end up with then well let me let me let me continue on Sean, did you want to add anything to it or Okay, and then we got Gary. Then
7: after Sean, yeah. Um, thank you for all of that, Brandon. Um, really great. Um, the only thing I would add to it is just, just that you know when we think of the two aspects of God's holiness, God's transcendence and His purity, or His otherness and His purity, both of those things add to our sense of peace and well-being, um, to our you know to our emotional peace and our, our mental stability, right? Um, so worshiping him as such, right, and always revering him as such, not only on Sundays but all the time, is vital for us. And and then of course what Brandon said streams out of that. If we if we don't honor him as he is, then we start to worship other things, grasping for security in other things. Whether it's our own our own self, you know, which will lead in lead to great insecurity uh, or in other things. It's good. Much will do the same thing. No, I appreciate it, Gary.
8: If my sanctification walk is is a journey of transformation, and that transformation is toward the image of God, if I, if there's not a separation between He and me in terms of uh, the the His holiness, then why even go through the walk? I mean mm-hmm. his holiness is what I strive for his es- the essence of my sanctification walk I believe is simply to to become closer and closer to him through the transformation of his word through the tra- transformation of his essence and that essence has to be different than what my essence is currently
0: so you and you recognize that the walk of sanctification is a, a journey from a distorted image of God to a more clear and perfected, i.e., holy image of God. That's what you're doing in your walk.
8: Well, I didn't say that, but that's
0: what I meant, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Uh, we've got Gerald back here. He wants to jump in. I appreciate you guys giving these different angles. Uh, this is helpful to all of us to see how this holiness is at the core of, or should be at the core of who we are and how we understand ourselves.
5: I, I was, uh, as we were talking, I was thinking of um, a verse in Proverbs. This is the, the first part of 29.18. It says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And I, and I was thinking about, you know, without a recognition of God's holiness, um, we land. We land where, you know, where our Old Testament forefathers landed. You know, in in the the whole story of Israel is is uh, a neglect of you know of God's holiness, and uh, and we can kind of see where that landed with them. And um, you know, without without that recognition of holiness, you know, life doesn't work. That's a, you know? that, that's a great statement work.
0: you just said. Life doesn't work without holiness. That, 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 that's one of the key components that, that is behind what he's trying to get us to understand here. Let me, let me jump in here. The question is, why is it vital to remember that God's holiness is essential to every human being's emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being? I'm going to jump back to Brandon's example of abortion. Abortion. Uh, the, the woman, potentially the, the example he gave is a woman who's seeking to end the chaos that in her mind is chaos because now there is a child that's going to bring about a different trajectory than what she had planned for her life. So that that, that trajectory is one of chaos. It, it moves her off her objective. And so abortion becomes something that is acceptable and even good. We call evil good because it allows me to seek My own, what my objective is, and you go back into your paper, an emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being, though they don't say it. They don't understand that their worldview is spiritual. What they end up with is they emotionally, we hear this over and over again, they're haunted, if not covered by the blood of Jesus, and understanding that Jesus can pay for that sin. But the one who doesn't recognize that is haunted emotionally, physical. They put themselves in potential physical harm in the midst of of the abortion. And then you have the spiritual well-being where they they realize they know in their heart of hearts there is the shame associated with it because they have been made in the image of God unless their conscience is seared by so much sin that will haunt them and they will move away from. There's the alienation. It's what you were talking about, Gerald, with... um, you know how is it working for the for the israelites when the israelites got to that place where they had give they had absolutely gone the opposite direction of holiness and they became like the other nations there was this distancing there was this exile this god moving not only them moving away but god giving them the the desires of their hearts and moving them away and then they felt the the pain of the exile was was made reality in the harshness of the enemy that wanted them in the first place so all of a sudden, what they thought that they were seeking for their, their idea of how to achieve emotional, spiritual, physical well-being apart from God's holiness ended in ruin for them, and they felt it. It was a distancing. It doesn't Life doesn't work if you do not have the one who created you and, and his goal of bringing about holiness in your life being that objective now I'm focusing back to Christians here if holiness is an add-on mentality to your walk you will be forever corrupted in your emotional physical and spiritual well-being let's take a look at this and dig a little deeper so the next question is why is it vital to remember that God's holiness is essential to how we were made why is it vital to remember that God's holiness is essential to how we were made? Think of image. Cindy, we have Cindy up here. We'll just get the ball rolling. We'll work, we'll work there. I just, my, uh, my whole takeaway of sta- staying here is we have this mentality. I have had this mentality for years that holiness is something I want to get to eventually. Like I'll take small doses of it all along the way when Realizing you can't get here, there from here without holiness, there never materializes, at least not what God intends. And um, if you are just if holiness is just an attachment, just an addendum to your life, just something you're going to get to, it's not something you strive to each and every day. Go ahead.
9: I'm not sure I can remember, <laughs>
0: no, that's okay. <laughs> or say
9: this right um, if we do not. Um, Let me just look at it again.
0: So think about image. How
9: we're made. We're made in the image of God. He is sacred and holy. And if I don't view life, my life, the life of anybody, a human being, if I don't see them or myself in that image of sacredness of holiness I will devalue it and I so I'm not
0: no, that's good sure. you'll devalue devalue your own life and you'll devalue the life of the people that you, are around you so then, no, that's good as it relates to image let me help because I want to move us along um, why is it vital to remember that God's holiness is essential to how we were made we were made to be image bearers Now, I want you to think of the last thing you made. I don't care if it's something you cranned on a a piece of paper or whatever it is you made, a paper airplane, whatever it is you made, you made it for a purpose. It had a specific purpose. This water bottle was made to hold water so that water could be consumed by human beings or whatever uh, use. If you want it to your pet, they put it in his water bowl. The point is, that's its purpose. If I try and use this as a hammer... It will never be successful. Now, let me take this from the something that is an inanimate object and turn it into a, a us, an organic being that is made to, that is made in His image. If we are not trying to be holy by way of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to make this uh, uh, a works based statement. Um, if we are not being made holy, if, we're, if holiness is not our objective, we will never be fulfilled. In our lives emotionally, we will be, not be as protected as we could be physically, and uh, we will not be fulfilled spiritually if we're not chasing, seeking after our design. If we're trying to be something we were not designed for, even though we, we we're off on this, we, we think, oh, I, you know, my design is I was supposed to be this academic elite, and I'm supposed to be this professor that everyone bows to when I come into the room, and that's my design. And that's, that's my goal. Everything in whatever else is in front of me, it's shaped through that lens. I must have that objective. Then, my, what I am seeking and what I will experience will not be famil- fulfillment of how God intended my life to, to, to be fulfilled in my own understanding of, of how, do I, how do I say this? Experiencing my life. You were going to say something, PJ. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. I can see some people trying to process and I'm confusing you. We'll keep going. I, I just hang on with me on this. <clears throat> so obviously
1: there's, there's a lot here, but I think if you, um, it's clear, we were made to be holy. Um, the idea that the law is written on our hearts, um, that even the actions of, of sinful people doing a good deed or something that is law abiding, attest to the, the desire to be holy written on our hearts in, and, and then we're specifically called in first Thessalonians four. um, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And then also in 2 Corinthians 5, we're told... um, About our longing for heaven so for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed we have a building from god a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling if indeed by putting on Putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And then later, when when we're told more about the heavenly dwelling we're looking forward to, it's described as holy Jerusalem, and it's a it's a it's that separateness, that otherness of God those barriers get removed and so i think scripture is just clear over and over even from the unbeliever there is this innate longing to be what we should have been in the first place which is holy and which is set apart and special and unique from the rest of the kingdom that god created and then um over time praise the lord we as brothers and sisters in christ we're we're a step further in that sanctification and progression towards holiness but with that should come even more groaning and longing and desire for that holiness of God um, that we seek every Sunday or every time we open up our word. And it's it's innate, it's natural, because it's the way God ordered and ordained life, and it's the way it should be, rather than unnatural things, which are unholy. And praise God that one day we will get to experience the full holiness of God in our presence, in a holy life ourselves.
0: Amen. So looking up again at the paragraph above this where uh, um, Gerald was reading the underlined ones, uh, what he's talking about, systems, order. You can't get justice without holiness. You can't get to peace without holiness. You can't get to safety, to being treated with value and dignity. All that comes through God's otherness. That's the system. That's the order that God made this world thank God and then sin has corrupted it, and one day it will be brought back again. So we look at question number three there. Why is it vital to remember that God's holiness is essential? Because I'll say, and then I've got essential to what we seek from the world. Because if we don't have God's holiness in line, then what we are seeking from the world will be corrupted. It will be off. We will be asking the world to do what only God's holiness can do. And you will be in a state where you are confused I would even use uh, uh, Brandon's word chaos because you, you're like something's wrong in my life, I, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, or whether it's spiritual. I know, I sense there is something wrong, and we don't, we, we miss this holiness thing so much. In fact, I, I heard someone say "Why?" Uh, before, and this is counseling years ago, why are you so much about holiness? Are you, are you one of those law guys? And I'm trying to explain to them, no, you don't understand. The whole system is built on God's holiness. You're trying to live according to your law in a system where God is in control and your law will never work. You have to see this through God's holiness or life, even the difficulty. Well, I'll say I'll say it in the positive. You can live in this difficult, sin-cursed world and know fulfillment of your, of your life as well as it relates to emotionally, physically and spiritual well-being if you are looking through and, and everything that you are seeing this through is through God's holiness. God can carry you through that because thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are living the kingdom that will be in a world that is not the kingdom. And so you can enjoy the the closest remember you live according to your kingdom you're going to feel the alienation that the israelites felt when they when they chose to live according to their kingdom god's kingdom is built on holiness the whole principle is, is holiness because holiness brings about righteousness justice uh, uh, all of the things we long for actually safety peace we we can bring the kingdom here in a in a sense it's interesting that Jesus makes, says this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The, when they, when the, his disciples go to him and say, well, okay, they, are, they pray. Well, how do you say we're supposed to pray? And he puts out this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying bring the economy to your praying, that you bring the economy, that Christ brings the economy of heaven, the system of holiness and righteousness here on earth. That comes through us acknowledging that has to be what we are working off of. That's the tracks that our train runs on. Gary, go ahead.
8: So help me on those days I don't do that. So help me on those days when I don't feel like I'm seeking holiness, that I just don't do it. What's my path
0: toward getting back to that? So first off... Hol- Interesting. Holiness is the opposite of. I'll say it this way. I'll give you two, two ends of the of the spectrum. Holiness and sin. Um, people say, "I feel guilty." Well, you are either guilty or you are not. You do not feel guilty. You feel shame. Guilty is a legal standing. Holiness is also. You either are holy or you are not holy. So whether you feel holy or not, you may you may need a Christian to say, "Well, tell me about what's going on in your life," and you realize. Well, I have been confused by all the activity in my life, but I'm still walking in a way that is demonstrating holiness and they correct you the lens that if you will if you will the binoculars get kind of the lens get clarified and you're like, I am honoring God I, I can see that that i'm call i'm doing what god has called me to do and then all of a sudden the reality is there's no sin hindering this this is me just being confused by my world coming at me from so to all the different different difficulties whether it's cancer whether it's cancer of a child whether it, it, it's it's all of the, the the newness to the the marriage relationship because of what this has brought on all of that could be confusing your understanding so you need that christian to come alongside you and be able to look at that and go brother you are walking in, in holiness, and you need to know that, and praise God you are. Or, brother, you aren't. And if you will simply confess here and get right with God, you are on the path back to holiness. And you st- so that
8: kind of leads us into question number four.
0: There you go. Now you see the progression. Holiness is connected everywhere. It's the economy of our world. It is in every relationship. It is in every situation. We have to realize those are the tracks that we Christians run on. When we get off those tracks, we get into confusion and, and or sin. So uh, we've answered that one. Let's, let's go on a little bit further uh, and read more. Um, really if we don't get to any further and you guys got what I was trying to present praise be to God you're starting to understand holiness should not be an addendum to my life it is the thread that works through my whole narrative it's not an attachment let's keep going
4: true meaning and purpose are found in the holiness of God we must consider the conflict between our purpose for our lives and God's holy purpose for us think for a moment about the story that God has written for you and me By grace, God called us and drew us to himself. We are united to him forever, his adopted children, and the objects of his unshakable love and grace. He lovingly provides for our needs, controls what we can't control, and guides us with divine wisdom and power. He gifts us with his church, the body of Christ, where true community is found, discipleship can thrive, and where we can be about his mission. He gives us his spirit to counsel and convict and empower us. He gifts us with his word so that we can know him, know ourselves, know sin, know grace, and know his design for how we are to live.
0: Let's continue on.
10: These are all wonderful and beautiful, but there is one thing that our Lord has chosen not to do. When we come to him in confession and faith, he doesn't give us an immediate ticket out of this terribly fallen, broken, and dysfunctional world that fails to operate as he intended. No, between our conversion and our home going, our address remains the same as it was before we came to know him. Now, pause and think about this. If God's intention were to exercise his (coughs) power so that your life would be predictable, comfortable, and easy, it would make no sense to leave you in this flawed world as a flawed person in constant relationship with flawed people. Rather than a recipe for comfort, this is a recipe for disappointment, hurt, pain, anger, weakness, bewilderment, and longing. Why would God plan this for us? The answer is that this present address was not intended to be our final destination. This will never be the paradise our hearts long for. No area of your life will turn out to be paradise for you, no matter how hard you try to make that happen. This time and place is intended to be a preparation for our final destination. This means that everything in your life serves a higher purpose than your momentary pleasure and enjoyment.
8: God has planned to use your marriage for more than your mutual definition of marital bliss. He means to use your job for more than financial provision and success. He has a greater purpose for your friendships than for you to have people in your life with whom you feel comfortable. He wants more out of you. out of your education endeavors than academic achievement and degrees each of these is messy and hard because God has left you in a messy place but the mess is meant to call you out of your self-reliance your self-focus and your love for the world to a greater dependency on him but it's meant to do
7: more God intends the messiness of this time and place to be transformative. Each area is meant to prepare you for what is to come. That is, to be a tool of an increasing spiritual hunger and growth. God uses all of the difficulties of life in this fallen world to accomplish the most important thing that could ever be accomplished for you and in you. That is, that you would progressively become holy as he is holy. As this happens, you become more and more ready for your final address, where holiness is the eternal norm. Here is where ultimate meaning and purpose are found. God uses even the hardest things to produce the most wonderful of things. I don't live in an impersonal, irrational world where bad things happen for no reason and with little good resulting I don't have to live with the hopelessness of what seems to be a constant dimming of meaning and purpose as I face the unexpected and seemingly unproductive failures of people and things around me. No, this world is under the rule of one who is not only almighty in power, but who is also holy in every way all of the time. And this holy one wants better for me than I could ever want for myself, and he uses my present address to accomplish that purpose.
0: We're just going to continue to read all the way to the end. We've got about seven minutes, so just keep going with the mic.
11: So everything in my life is blessed with holy meaning and purpose. Everything becomes more than it would have been without his holy rule, his holy grace, and his holy purpose for me as his child. No situation is meaningless no circumstance is without purpose, and no trial is useless. Now, at street level, life won't always seem that way, and God div- divines purpose doesn't mean that my life will be free of pain and suffering, but I can be assured that I am being prepared, and at the heart of that preparation is this purpose, that I would progressively become holy as he is holy. Ultimately, Ultimate f- meaning is found in God's holiness. Human, me- human meaning is rooted in the existence and plan of God who is gloriously holy in every way. Your Lord would never plan, rule, or direct your life in a way that is anything less than perfectly holy. Now, that should give you reason for rest and
9: celebration.
0: Let's jump over to number nine.
9: Holiness is the purpose of all biblical and theological study. The ultimate reason humans have rational and communicative abilities is so that we can know God and commune with Him.
0: All right. Pause right there, real quick. I'm, I'm going to read that one again. Sometimes people say, "Well, what does it mean to be in the image of God?" What, you know, uh, isn't everything a creature of God, and doesn't God love everything equal, and doesn't God relate equally, and it's that super that's out there that that uh, parades itself as if it's Christianity the ultimate reason human beings have rational and communicative abilities is so that we can know God and commune with him that's what sets us apart from every other creature that has a mind let's continue on
9: this however has a distinct direction when it comes to exercising your mind to explore and understand the expansive theology of Scripture Let's examine what I think is a says-it-all passage when it comes to understanding the purpose of the study of the word of God, the doctrines that it reveals, and the knowledge that results. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Isaiah fifty five ten through 11 and 13.
3: This promise in Isaiah has been held dear by theologians, preachers, students of the Bible, and people in the pew for generations. And what is the promise? It is that the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God and received by the people of God, will always accomplish its purpose. This gets us to the heart of what this chapter is about. Imagine that I approached you approached you, and said, I will always accomplish my purpose in my relationship with you. What would your immediate response be? You would want to know exactly what my purpose for my relationship to you was. When God says to you, my word will always accomplish its purpose, your question should immediately be, what's the purpose of God's word? This question gets at the heart of God's purpose for all biblical and theological study, whether at the highest level of scholarship in an academic setting or in the average person's daily Bible study. Why study God's word? Why study theology? What should result from our study?
6: Isaiah's word picture is incredibly helpful He pictures plants being nourished by snow and rain As
0: we considered in chapter one If I have a little thorn bush and it is nourished by the snow and the rain What do I expect to get? I expect to get a bigger thorn bush You won't find me saying to my wife Honey, if it continues to rain I think thorn bush is going to become a cypress tree I don't expect the briars out uh, Or briar out back after it has been nourished by the rain, to turn into a mire tree, a myrtle. But this is what Isaiah's word picture is proposing.
2: The prophet <clears throat> the prophet is pushing his illustration beyond what would naturally happen to the in the physical world to make a profound point. The purpose of the word of God is something deeper than the dissemination of biblical and theological information.
0: Amen. If we're just getting it for information, total mess. We look like we sound like Christians, we don't look like Christians potentially. Let's keep going.
2: The goal is radical heart and life transformation. God intends the information to be transformative. Biblical literacy and theological knowledge were never meant to be ends in themselves, but rather a means to an end. The end is personal holiness. A perfectly holy God gives us His holy Word, so we would be rescued from sin, the sin that could not escape, that we could did not escape in our own, and be trans, progressively transformed into His likeness. Be holy as I am holy is God's whole call, and His Word is, princ- is His principal tool in creating in us what He has called us to be. A holy God gifts us with His Word so that through it we would become like Him, holy. Progressive growth in godliness, holiness is God's goal for biblical and theological study, no matter who is doing it or where it is being done.
12: This brief study of the holiness of God should leave us weeping and rejoicing at the same time. If you stand before the throne of our perfectly holy God, you will have reason for both. I am persuaded this is why we are called to both of these responses in Scripture and why they are both important pieces of spiritually healthy life. God's word calls us to mourn, actually pronouncing blessing on those who do. Matthew five four. How could you stand before the holiness of God and not weep at the condition of your own heart and the sin everywhere in your world? God's word calls us also to rejoice. First Thessalonians five sixteen to eighteen. When we gaze upon the holiness of God, we have reason to rejoice. How unshakable is your joy when you wake up each day knowing that your world is under the rule of one who is perfectly holy in every way mm-hmm. all the time and that this holy one is your father by grace so weep your lord is holy don't stop rejoicing your lord is holy live a life of a sad live the life of a sad celebrant Mourn the ways that you are far from the holy goal God has set for you. while you rejoice in the potential that you now have to be what you could never have dreamed of being if this Holy One had not met you with his heart and life-transforming grace? May your tears mix with joy until you are on the other side with him and like him forever and ever.
0: Let me end us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the, this study through holiness i pray that we will be reminded of this as we walk this journey i pray that we will be a church that helps remind us and and encourage our brothers and sisters along this path that we would all be headed the same direction because we love you we want to be holy like you we want to bring your kingdom here your kingdom your perfectly righteous kingdom in heaven here to earth In in whatever degree we are capable this day for your glory and certainly for our good in christ's name we pray Amen.